Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from the AS21 Podcast Network, won by AS21 Publishing. I'm Keith F. Shelton, publisher and chief creative of AS21 Publishing. And with you as always is Paul Dickinson Russell. Hello everyone. The author of The Will of the Magi says, Happy New Year! Yes, Happy New Year! 2016 is gone! Finally! I hate 2016, it can go burn in hell. The 20, you know what? Here's the twist. 2016 is now dead. Finally. Yes. <laughs> you took too many good people. Yes. Oh, too many. Especially right up at the end. Carrie uh, oh. and her mother. Oh, yeah. that's a horrible, horrible day. Uh. Oh, yeah. So, you know, every month I come together with Paul to we'll discuss the publishing process of the fantasy epic, Will of the Magi. Paul finished writing it just a few months ago, and we are now in the beta reading setting, and oh, but now starting the full editing process for The Will of the Magi. And so today we'll be talking about not only how that process has been going, but also an update, as we are now done with almost six weeks of the crowdfunding campaign through Indiegogo for The Will of the Magi. First off, update, so you have finished... Is the beta reading all done? So, in terms of the beta readers, you know, besides myself, no. I, I've actually gotten more beta readers involved. Okay. And that also includes two or three of them who are also acting as additional copy editors for the book as well to try and, you know, take some of the load off Corey and see if we can catch all of my problems, not just most of them. Since I have well, so many problems. Your problems or your mistakes? Because I don't think editors are truly qualified to catch your problems. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll rephrase that for mistakes. Yeah. I all my mistakes. I have a lot of mistakes and more problems than other people can deal, deal with. So I have all that. Uh, Corey has received the beta readers, Vanessa, Megan, and Lisa from our previous podcast. Uh, Corey has received the prologue in the first 15 chapters as well. He received that a couple days ago. So things are going really well there. It's full steam ahead. And I'm looking forward to seeing what everyone else tells me and what everyone else yells at me about. Okay. Before we get further into updates, this is chapter 22 of the Publish Me podcast. We'll be joined later on by author Ashley Emma to discuss immersive research, particularly her experience living in the Amish community for a short while doing her own research for a series of books. Yes. And, of course, if you, you know, remember, you can keep up with us here on the Publishing Podcast. We've been going since February of 2015, so we're coming up on our two-year anniversary next month. Woohoo! This is the January 2017 edition. You could find us on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, YouTube, and media.as21.com, and you could also reach out to us on Facebook, facebook.com slash publishpodcast, on Twitter at publishpodcast, and you could email us, publishpodcast at as21.com, that's aois21.com. Now, Paul, you actually joined me for the end of the first month of the crowdfunding campaign, which came just after Christmas. Yep. And we discussed uh, the full feedback on... Uh, technically, it actually aired. We released it on Christmas Day. I w we recorded it on Christmas Eve, and I was going to edit it that night, but then I got stuck watching... Well, I didn't get stuck. I sat down to watch one episode of The Crown on Netflix, and three episodes later, <laughs> it was too late, and I went to sleep. Absolutely. Well, I mean, it was also Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. Yes. No. I, fi I finally was able to steal myself away for a couple hours on mid-afternoon of Christmas and got the editing done on that as well as the literally this week episode for that week. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I tried to I tried to knock off as much as I could on Christmas Eve and recording because not only did we have that, but also you appeared on this past edition of the Passion on the Page Poetry Podcast. Yep. Doing our holiday episode where you did a reading of uh, To Winter by William Blake. Yep, a really happy-go-lucky winter. Poem. Oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, uh, 
that podcast started up at the same time here as Publish Me, and both of us are actually coming to a close at some point. Yep. Whereas our other podcast series can keep on going on and on and on. They're evergreen. Yep. The, our, the, this Publish Me and Passion on the Page do have eventual end dates because once Paul's book is out, we're not going to keep talking about it every month. We'll talk about someone else's book. No, no. We'll, yeah, well, what could, what will happen at some point, the, we've talked about this in the past, the lifespan of this podcast, is it will come to a natural end at some point, whether that be the book being released or Paul's untimely death. One of these things is bound to happen. Yes. And then that'll end, and then we may return for a volume two someday with another author. Mm-hmm. who's going through the same process. Probably it won't be a fantasy title. It'll be something different. Yeah. Because we want to offer variety, because, you know, variety is the spice of life. Absolutely. <laughs> but as far as... So that'll be an interesting day when we get to a point where we're no longer doing Publish Me or Passion on the Page, and we're just have the other podcast show other shows from the AS21 Podcast Network, which currently number six in total with Sex Vex Perplexed with the Modern Horror, the world's only podcast with Ian Roberts and Joshua Silverman, <coughs> Tales from the Old New Land for, with AC Charlop and literally this week. Mm-hmm. But and of course as I say this at the beginning of January, we are in planning to launch at least two new ep- two new podcasts in the springtime. So be on the lookout for that. We're looking right now at a uh, possibly a political show, and then one that's sort of a cultural history and review show in the mold of Hardcore History by Dan, uh, Carlin, but nowhere near as fierce. <laughs> That'll be fun. Yeah, that, that was funny. Someone approached this person approached me about doing this podcast and just even doing an actual history podcast. And I said, well, if you want to do a history podcast, you need to learn from the best. And I started him on hardcore history and he just messaged me going, man, this guy's brutal. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He is the master. Yeah. And uh, that kind of dispelled him from doing a full history podcast. We'll we'll see what comes from that. Obviously everything is still in the planning stages. So, it might happen, it might not happen. We, we've had a couple other shows be talked about but not happen. That, that's the way things go. That's the business world. Yes. So, this is the January edition. Since we last met, there have been four footnote episodes of the Publish Me podcast. Yep. And it comes one release with the end of each week of the crowdfunding campaign those are the supplementals that we do, and these coincide with the end of each week of the crowdfunding campaigns. Yep. So, John, uh, John. so Paul, you join me on on Christmas Eve for the week four slash month one recap, yep. and that caught us up to, I believe, at the time twelve seventy five. Uh, twelve sixty five. Yes, which was seventy nine percent. And after week five, which was just right before the end of the year, we're now at thirteen seventy-five or eighty-six yep. percent. Yeah, and and yeah, we just gave it away. We're actually recording this on December thirtieth, twenty sixteen. So, well, yeah, I know we haven't quite escaped this devil year just yet, but we're close. We're almost there. Yeah, twenty-five and a half more hours. Just you know, right now we're just making sure that we get. Uh, in order to properly do all the scheduling with the interviews and everything, we tend to record more, sometimes more than a week before our release date. Plus, that gives me time to get the editing done. Right. So yeah, that's a why, lot of editing to do sometimes. So as of recording this, we are at 1375 or 86% of our goal of $1,600. And we have three full weeks to go. We end out on January 21st. Yep. So, and with all that really fun stuff, we have added an added an extra perk. Yes. For this week and this week only. Because for those of you who do who don't exactly know, I am having a birthday on January 7th, the day this is coming out. Yes. And I'll be turning 29 years old. Woo! Yay, me. I can feel gray hair coming into my beard as I speak. Because that's how my life would work. So, 
So yes, yes. happy birthday, Paul. Yay. Happy birthday to you. Happy <laughs> birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you very much. So if you wish to wish me a happy birthday, you can choose our new featured perk at $29. But the thing is, it runs out at midnight tonight. Oh. Midnight tonight on the 7th. Yes. So you if, you're listening, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, you still have time. <sighs> Some time. Just a little bit. Yes. But, but if you don't, but if you wait until the 8th, well, you're done. I'm sorry. I'm Turns sorry. Out. That's the way nope. it goes. Not much we can do. Sorry. Because I, if you've been a subscriber to this podcast, then you got the footnote episodes because we announced this. We pitched this perk in the week four, month one episode. And then in the week five episode, we let it be known that it is up and it's there. Mm-hmm. $29. You get the hardcover copy. Not signed, but you get the hardcover copy, which regularly goes for 30 with free shipping. <gasps> free shipping? Yes, free shipping. I'm nuts for giving you free shipping. And you know why? Because we want you to wish Paul a happy birthday. Yes. I wish guess... me a happy birthday. I need one. So as we said on the thing, this is now our our featured perk until midnight tonight. If you're listening to this on the 7th of January, 2017, Paul, 29th birthday on January 7th, wish Paul a happy birthday by pledging at this amount and get a hardcover copy with free shipping. Then this perk is only available until midnight on January 7th. So whereas many of the perks have several items that compound upon each other, this is a very bare bones perk because of the fact it's less than the regular amount for the hardcover plus. All you get is shout out on podcast, gratitude for your support, and the hardcover. But like I said, it's free shipping and we put an unlimited amount on this. There is no limit, whereas the hardcover plus is limited to 25. Now you could go $1 more and you get acknowledgement in the book and the guarantee there will be a shout out on two podcasts. Whereas the birthday, we only guarantee you a shout out on one podcast. Right. But then you also have to pay shipping. So that's at least $5 more. Or if you're outside the United States, that's $10 more. Now, if you want it signed in pen, then you go to the $45 level, the hardcover signed. And there's only 10 of those available. Only 10. Only 10. Now, if you want more than just your hardcover, you could go for the hardcover plus print for $100, so there's only 10 of those available, where you get your shout-out on your podcast, your gratitude, your acknowledgement, a hardcover, signature of the author in pen, and a cover color print of the cover art in its original digital form, when it's transmitted before it is adapted for the cover. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, the coup de grace, the once-in-a-lifetime possibility that we are offering only to you through this campaign, for $2,000, which is a steal when you really think about it, it you is. can get the hardcover copy signed in the author's own blood. <laughs> now, Paul, you were telling me you were getting some flack for the for the in-blood perk. Yes, I got a little bit of flack for it because it was too high. <laughs> really? Yeah. You overvalue your own blood, you say. <laughs> well, because our... Fun. Our campaign is only for one thousand six hundred dollars. Correct. The blood is for two thousand dollars, which more than pays for the entire campaign and gives us a little extra money to have some wiggle room with. Absolutely. So wiggle room was good. Wiggle. We like wiggle room, but it was recommended to me that I bring the amount down to like say five hundred dollars, which still gives me a lot of the which you know which pays for basically a third of the entire campaign. And but we could do like a couple of those, do like four or five of them, which you know would do wonderful things and you know all that kind of stuff. See that, and that just goes to show that you have some fans out there that not only want to read your book, but they want your blood. But they're this not, is true. That they're just not willing to pay two thousand dollars for it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of a terrifying thing, really, when yeah. you think about it. Well. <sighs> well we have only two weeks left in the campaign as of the release of this podcast on January 7th. And unless we've already reached the goal by the time this episode drops, which would be nice if we have. 
We could always lower the in blood to 1600 or to even lower than that if we want to try to find somebody that'd be willing to get it just for having that bit of your DNA as part of the book. Why don't we do it? Let's just see what happens. Okay. Let's drop it down to the recommended $500 and no. see what happens. How, no, how about this recommendation? $666. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Someone will do it. Okay, so if you don't feel like giving Paul a birthday present of for $29 of getting the hardcover not signed, but free shipping, then if you donate 6 starting tomorrow, January 8th, you will get the in-blood perk for the steal. An absolute steal at three times the price, for $666, you will get hardcover copy of the book, yep. signed in Paul's own blood, using glass quills and a special mixture allowing his blood to coagulate properly for writing. Yep. Sign it with a personal message to you. And when we say personal message, we're not asking for the Magna Carta here. We're just going, you know, you're the best. Yeah. Big hugs. <laughs> Love, Paul. <laughs> Something like that. Yes. And, of course, you get the shout-out on the podcast. You'll get our gratitude. You'll definitely show up in the acknowledgement section of the book. Heck, you'll probably be the first one on the list. Most likely. <laughs> so, okay, if, if there is such a demand if for just at a lower price point, so, okay, come January 8th, $666. When we started the birthday wish, it became the featured perk and knocked In Blood out. But In Blood will go back to being the featured perk at the new lower rate of $666. And you and know what? Free shipping. How about free that? Shipping. Okay. Free shipping. Free shipping. But I think, Keith, I think we should give these people one more thing with this. Okay. I don't think we should limit it to just one person. Really? I think we should let the world decide how many people want this. Okay. <laughs> well, what do I say? What, how many do I, do I have it limited to one person? Yes, I believe it's currently limited to one person. Oh, you're right. It is limited to one. Okay. So, so do we want to make it unlimited or do we want to make it five? <laughs> Let's make it, let's make it five. Okay. All right. So it'll go from being the possibility for one person to be a possibility for five people to get their own bit of Paul Dickinson Russell's DNA. <laughs> and the good kind. <laughs> you know what's going to happen now? There's going to be all kinds of Paul Dickinson Russell clones running around. Yes. Yeah, someone's <laughs> going to start cloning me. It's going to be a very big problem. <laughs> Oh, I've I think... threatened people with this, and it will become a reality soon. Oh, I think you're safe, Paul. No worries. <laughs> Here's hoping. Yeah. Okay, so now we've updated you on the beta readers and editing. And in case this is your first time joining, last month we did have several of the beta readers on to talk about their first impressions of the book. And twice now we have had on Corey Parker, AS21's editor-in-chief, first... To talk about advice on what he does in editing, and then he gave his first, came back to give his first reaction to reading. Was that the first three chapters? Approximately, so yeah. Okay, so now he's got 15 chapters plus the prologue, yep. which is about half the book? Mm, third the book. Third of the book, yes. it's a it is, We don't call it a fantasy epic for nothing, folks. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't do that. No, 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 no. no. Alright, so now yeah. let's move on to our interview. All right, now joining us on Chapter 22 of the Publishing Podcast, Immersive Research, was Ashley Emma, the best-selling author of Undercover Amish. She's also written Ashley's Amish Adventures, An Outsider Living with the Amish, Finding Forgiveness, Legit Work at Home Jobs, Amish Under Fire, Identity, The Secret City, and The Ring Thief. Did I get all of them there? I think so. Not all of those are published yet, though. Oh, okay. Just just Undercover Amish and the Ashley's Amish Adventures right now. Okay. But the, the other ones are coming soon. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That, that's quite a quite a plan there. And you got cover art for all of it already. So that's, that's a good start. And the forthcoming Amish Amnesia. Yes. I am still writing that one. Okay. All right. Well, we wanted to welcome you to the publishing podcast this month to talk about your experiences doing immersive research. So, so you spent, how much time did you spend living in an Amish community? 
It was a total of 10 days, but it was three different times that I went. Actually, kind of like four different times. The first time I went with my mom for a weekend just because I didn't want to go by myself and she wanted to go. So we kind of checked it out and we met the family. And I actually got a hold of them by calling a store in the town. So like they don't have phones. So they have phones in their businesses sometimes or they share like a phone shanty. So this guy had a phone in his store and that's the only number I could find. So I just called them and he said I could stay with them. So we went for a weekend and then I went back to his sister's house. She invited me over for a whole week. And then they invited me back again for a wedding for one of the girls that like her sister or someone that was staying with her. So I went back again for another weekend and then we visited for like one day after that. So yeah, kind of different broken up. But uh, Which Amish community did you stay in? It's in Unity, Maine. A lot of people don't like realize there's Amish in Maine, but there's actually two pretty like big community, not big, but they're growing communities. Um, There's one in Smyrna, which is like near Canada, like way up in northern Maine. Mm -hmm. And then Unity is, I'm bad with directions, but yeah, it's it's like probably, it was 75 people when I was there, but that was like four years ago when I wrote it. So they have so many kids. It's probably like 150 people now. (laughs) It's probably growing like crazy. Yeah. See, I grew up in western Pennsylvania, and my parents actually met in New Wilmington, Pennsylvania, which is a major Amish community there, and now they live south of Lancaster, so they, they went from one Amish center to another Amish center. Oh, wow. And then, so uh, I've grown up having Amish communities around me, so yeah. I didn't realize they were all the way up in Maine. That's in- Yeah, they're kind of all over. Yeah, they're all over the country, and a lot of people don't realize there's actually like a few Amish families in a town near where I live, but I, I've heard that. I haven't seen any, <laughs> but yeah, I've heard that there's like an Amish store and I don't know. We actually just spent this past week, like right next to Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania. We have family there, so, but I haven't lived there. Okay. Everyone thinks I went there, but I didn't actually go there for the book. <laughs> well, yeah, I just remember on, on TV always, it, they only ever think of the Amish being in Lancaster. Yeah, everyone does. Everyone thinks like, oh, so you went to, you drove to Pennsylvania by yourself? And I'm like, I was 20. I didn't drive nine hours to Pennsylvania. (laughs) I drove two hours where it was next to me. So, yeah, but there's, there's Amish all over. I remember that. There's a, do you remember the old TV show, Mr. Belvedere? No, I've never heard of that. Uh, Okay, it was set in Pittsburgh and it was, the the setup was an American family had a British and come to live with them as their butler and servant nanny and everything. (laughs) <laughs> and just all the culture clash with that. But it, it was based in Pittsburgh. And for a couple episodes, they went to Amish country. So they had them go to Lancaster. Never mind that there was Amish country, you know, only like 45 minutes north of Pittsburgh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. So for your immersive research, obviously there wasn't that much of a language difference, right? Uh, th- oh, a little bit. They do speak English like fluently, but... Right. When they're kids, their first language is actually Pennsylvania Dutch. So, I mean, they I'm pretty sure in Lancaster they also speak that. But it's, I mean, everything differs between communities. But, but in Maine, they do speak that until they go to school. So they're t- till they're like five or six and then they learn English after. So they speak both. So I had no problem like communicating with them. And when they're at home... They mainly do speak Pennsylvania Dutch. That's like their first language. So sometimes when they were around me, they would speak that. But then they'd kind of be like, oh, hey, Ashley can't understand you. So we should talk in English. But when I was in high school, I took German. So I actually did understand a lot of what they were saying. So some of it is a little bit similar. But mostly, yeah, I mean, they spoke English most of the time. Okay. Yeah. So it's just interesting to think when you think of doing some immersive things, really getting into a different culture, language is usually the first barrier. And I'm interesting to see that there is still sort of a barrier there. But then, of course, there's the huge cultural difference in just their whole way of life being different from ours. Yeah, it's completely different. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, if, I'm, if I may, obviously, I live, I've lived in Jersey my entire life. So my introduction to the Amish has been driving through Lancaster whenever I would go for various excursions into PA. But obviously, you know, I'm one of those people where realistically the biggest introduction I have into the Amish lifestyle, and this is going to sound really stupid. (laughs) I recognize that, which is why I'm saying it, but the two, you know, thing times where I've been introduced to Amish culture is either been through like, 
a History Channel documentary where they're mainly talking about that the year off that the children take when they turn 16, 17. Oh, yeah. Springer. Yeah, yeah I don't know how to say it. <laughs> yeah, so I've I've seen a lot of things about that. I've heard a lot of different things about that, which sounds interesting and terrifying to me. But then obviously the horrible TV show of Amish Mafia. <laughs> so, oh, you know, which yes. I which I I recognize that a lot of our listeners are going to be like. I've heard of that show, or I've watched that show, and yeah. we—I know we're all clear that that show is fake. Yes, it's fake. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I very. They're all, all fake. Well, they're not <laughs> Amish. <laughs> right, like the Amish would never let you record them like that ever, yes. or take pictures of them. No, no, unless they left the Amish, that that could be possible. Well, no, they're Mennonites. They're not actually. They're oh, really? not full Amish. Yeah. Right. Oh, I've never even seen it. I should watch oh, it because you're, be- you're better off not. <laughs> yeah. oh, as someone who knows nothing of the Amish culture, to you who knows something about it, don't watch Amish Mafia. Oh, okay, I won't. Ever. It. Yeah, it'll ruin it for me. <laughs> yes, it will. It will ruin everything for you. Oh, well, just remember, like, there's movies like Witness with Harrison Ford and yeah. Kingpin with Harrison and I've never heard of that. The Crazy Quay Brother. I think that's Randy. Yeah, Randy's an an Amish boy who runs off to learn to bowl with Woody Harrelson's character. It's really I've never heard of that one. Uh, huh. yeah, it's 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 you know Harrelson, Quaid, uh, Bill Murray, and all set around the world of professional bowling, and it's really gross out comedy. <laughs> and they they do a fair amount of mocking the Amish in it. So yeah. So uh, I, the point i was trying to get to is oh sorry paul no it's all good it's all good because i i knew that i would be, we'd be taking that segue so with that you know with those being my only introduction to the amish lifestyle what would be the first thing you'd want to tell us about the amish since we know nothing you know we your audience now know nothing about them okay um well because a lot of people do ask me like about those shows like like, oh, you must watch Amish Mafia and Breaking Amish. And I always say, like, no. I, I don't think that those shows are real because, I mean, the Amish I met, like, did not. I didn't take any pictures of them. They were, like, very not about that. They didn't want to be photographed. They actually said they don't care if you're driving by and people take pictures of them. They just don't, like, acknowledge it. They don't pose for it. But, I mean, they're, that's just so – they're just so set in their ways. I don't think – there's no way that's real. But anyway, <laughs> about the Amish, what would I tell you? <laughs> I really admire them. I think they're like a very wonderful group of people. I try to make sure in my books that I portray them accurately. That's why I went there. Let's see. The things that everyone knows is they dress old-fashioned. They don't use electricity. They don't have cars. A lot of things that people don't know are like people think they never go to Walmart or they never shop. They, they never buy, like, toothpaste or crackers or cereal. They actually do. Like, they don't make everything themselves. And this is just for Unity. They're all different. Like, all the communities are different. But for Unity, they do. They had, like, graham crackers and different types of cereal. They wear perfume and lotion, but they can't wear makeup. They don't shave their legs. <laughs> kind of random. <laughs> Some things that you would never think of. You know, they don't, they don't have instruments because they think they're prideful, but... They sing all the time, like they don't have a radio or i like iPods, but there's a lot of music there. Like they're whenever they're working or walking down the road, they're constantly singing. One person starts singing, and everyone else just joins in, and they're very musical. And everyone's a good singer from when <laughs> from when I was there. When I was there, I felt like we were constantly doing dishes all day, like cooking or doing dishes all day, pretty much um, without a dishwasher. And they have big families, so it takes forever. Those are a few things that. Not a lot of people know or think about, I think, when they think of the Amish. So I don't know if you were thinking of different, along different lines, but those are just a few things. What I find interesting is, again, you mentioned that they are really interesting musical talents. And Mm -hmm. they're always singing, except they don't have musical instruments. Which, one of the few things I have heard is a lack of music entirely Mm -hmm. because of that pride thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But the fact that you're telling me that in this particular community, while they don't have instruments, they do have, they sing and everyone does it. It's a very interesting thing for me to hear. It's one that I like, you know, because I personally love singing. So, Oh, really? Yeah. There is one part in the book 
in the Ashley's Amish Adventure, the first book, when I first show up there, I go to the store. It's called the Community Market. And, you know, like when you walk into stores, a lot of them have music playing in the background and you don't really like notice because you're so used to it. But when I walked in there, it was so silent. And I was like, what is missing? Like, <laughs> you know, you're just so used to background noise all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they don't they don't have music playing, but especially in church, like when you go to their church services, it's kind of like different to not have any, they're singing, but there's no, it's just completely acapella, but they harmonize and everything. And it sounds awesome. And they're out in the middle of the woods and nobody can hear it. So it kind of sings. <laughs> yeah. But they're all really musically talented. Yeah. They're great singers. Now, uh, when you were preparing to go to stay with them, did you take sort of a, as far as your, your time with them, what, did you take sort of an anthropological approach? Were you really considering like studying them or just really just kind of being with them as to what it's like to be part of their community? Yeah, kind of. I guess I wanted to see, so the book you mentioned, The Ring Thief, that's what I was going to research. That was my first Amish book I wrote, which isn't even published yet. But in the book, the girl leaves her regular life behind, or I shouldn't say regular because my editor says, that's not very nice. You shouldn't say regular people, like you know, but she leaves her lifestyle to join the Amish and I wanted to see what that would be like. So I guess I just wanted to do what they did, see what their regular lifestyle was like, what they did every day and kind of see what it would be like for me who is not Amish and how would I feel to give up everything I know to join the Amish? Like would I give up like in the book she plays piano like would I really give up piano to join the Amish I don't know mm -hmm. different things like that so I did try to learn as much as I could about them first but there's no way I could have prepared myself for everything I learned. you kind of have to just be there like there were so many things that happened that I was like wow I had no idea that they did that so yeah kind of both I did both okay it was more of a, a culture shock than you were expecting yeah it was yep there's just a lot of it's so different. It's so peaceful there and there's no distractions and they're just so focused on like family and their faith and like they do have a lot of work to do, but yet they have more time for family time, if that makes sense, because there's no other distractions, basically, like what we have. <laughs> cool. So why did you choose to, uh, you know, research the Amish in the first place? Oh, the, um, yeah, there's a few reasons. My mom got me into it. She gave me a bunch of Amish fiction, like romance novels, like what everyone thinks of. Mine are totally different than that, by the way. <laughs> a lot of the Amish romance novels are completely not accurate. They don't do their research. And I thought, I kind of want to write one like this. And I realized that the Amish genre is very popular. It still is. That was like five years ago. And it's mm -hmm. still super popular. So that's why I decided that. And I just didn't realize like how much I would love it and how much I would admire them. Now it's kind of like, that's definitely my niche. Like that's what I've been writing ever since. Cool. Have you, so you've kind of specialized in this one community group of the Amish. Have you ever tried or considered trying to visit some of the other ones, you know, in Lancaster or I'm trying to remember off the top of my head where there are other large community centers. There's one in Ohio. There's a lot in Ohio. There's actually more in Ohio than there is in Pennsylvania. Okay. And there, there's uh, some communities in upstate New York as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, of course, there's some of the other Mennonite tribes and Brethrens and Quakers and things like that, Shakers. The, you know, the reason I'm, I ask is, again, you know, that 16, 17, 18-year-old year off thing. One of the big things I heard about is the parties that those kids have. With oh, and you know, they'll—I heard of one party that there was like three thousand of these kids at in Texas. Yeah, you know, and you know, they were you know, they were just, and what happens is, is because this is a religious observation, mm -hmm. a lot of things take place at these parties that is illegal everywhere else. Oh, but the but all the police do is just rope off the area. Be like, "Are you Amish? Yes. Okay, go in and don't come out until you're clean. And if you're not, <laughs> just stay out." Yeah, it was basically what I heard. You know, and these are like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds who are drinking, smoking, mm -hmm. you know, all those kind of things. So, uh, my question would be. Did you see any, do you have any experience along those lines or has everything I've heard, you know, be complete garbage? You know, that's what I'm curious about knowing. 
Well, I don't know about the other communities. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. But in Unity, they actually have never had anyone go on Room Springer, and they've never had anyone leave because they didn't want to. They just didn't. Wow. None of the teenagers wanted to do it. So out of seventy-five people at the time, I don't know. There were a pretty good amount of teenagers. The house I stayed in, they had twelve kids, and they were mostly all teenagers. None of them had ever even wanted to do it. I don't. I don't know if that's just because that life is all they know and they don't really want to leave. I don't, I don't know, but they just, they totally can. It's up to them. But yeah, I mean, I don't think, I don't see any of them doing that. Maybe in one of the bigger communities. But I kind of feel like if if they're truly Amish, if they really believed what they believed in their faith, would they really want to go out and like do all those? I'm not really sure. But so... What I'm trying to say is I think the the kids in Unity, like, they really wanted to be Amish. It's not just, like, they that's how they grew up, you know. That's, they really wanted to, and I don't think that's – I think that's why they didn't want to leave. But that's my opinion. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know about the other communities. So. Potentially your kids are just simply more devout than – Yeah, definitely. They were, Yeah. For sure, yes. So it's more almost orthodox Amish there. <laughs> there you go. That's a good way of viewing it. Yeah. And then you said, did I ever think about going to the other communities? Yeah, also? yeah. It's so like going out to you know, Ohio or Lancaster or any of those groups. Well, I never really thought about it. Um, I totally should. But in the last, um, sorry, in the second Amish adventure book, the Attending an Amish Wedding... In the end, we do go, like, have lunch with an Amish family at their house. There's 30 of us and my, with all my relatives that we go there every year to, we used to go to Lancaster. Now we go to the town next, next door. But my grandparents, my husband's grandparents are Mennonite, actually. And they had Amish neighbors. And my husband's grandfather used to drive the Amish around in his car Mm -hmm. because they don't, like, if they have to go somewhere kind of far that they can't take a buggy, they'll hire somebody to drive them. So he used to do that as like a side business and he knew a ton of Amish families and he actually died this past year. But we went to this family that he knew really well at the time and all 30 of us sat in their barn and they made lunch for us. Wow. <laughs> and it was like no problem for them. They cook for you know lots of people all the time. They're great cooks. And I took a bunch of pictures inside their house. <laughs> it's in the book actually. Oh, cool. So, but that's the only other community i've been like where i've actually gotten to know some of the amish like i've seen amish in pennsylvania but i didn't like go up and talk to them like in walmart or something um but i would like to maybe when my kids are older i have a two-year-old and a two-month-old so (laughs) i'd have to wait a little bit probably but that would be awesome i'd like to go to pennsylvania and actually like maybe stay with the family there yeah i i would do that if i could yeah i think i would and then write a third book maybe there you go yep so, so did they have a nickname for you, or did they just call you by your name? No, they just called me Ashley. Okay. Yeah. They didn't call you English or anything like that? Oh, they do refer to people who aren't Amish as English, yeah. Right. But, no, they just, I mean, they're super laid back, like, more than you might think. They are pretty laid back. Like, they were fine with me showing pictures of my family on their phone, like, on my phone to them, or my house, um... And they would ask me stuff about my life and I would tell them like what I do for fun or I actually was teaching dance at the time and I thought they'd be completely against dancing like (laughs) but they actually let me go into the schoolhouse and teach a dance routine to them and they were fine with it. They loved it. (laughs) What type of dance? What? What type type of dance? It was like hip hop. Okay. And they thought it was great. They they were like, they didn't know how to do jumping jacks. And I was like, okay, we got a lot to learn here. So, but I taught them some hip hop and they thought it was hilarious. And they learned it and they went home and showed their family. See, see, there's a title right there Hip Hop Amish. Yes. That's a great title. Yeah. I thought, like, oh, they're not going to allow that. They just don't like couples dancing, apparently. But But, since it was just individual, they didn't care. Seriously. And I taught them some art stuff. And yeah, it was fun. Ashley, They're pretty laid back, yeah. That's a whole book right there. Hip hop Amish teaching I Amish kids called to that. dance. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. That that I would that book would fly off the shelves. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I got when I was asking people like what should I call my book, there were some pretty bizarre titles oh. out there, but I went with a more 
yeah, not as dramatic title. Like one one lady was like, you should call it Roughing It, a city girl living in Amish country. And I'm like, well, I'm not really a city girl. I kind of live out in the country anyway. So that's not really <laughs> accurate. So, yeah, I could have called it that, I guess. Yeah, just, just stay away from any uh, puns oh, like Amish upon a star. or <laughs> Amish upon a star? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Oh, that would yeah. do really well, though. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> people like love that stuff. It's oh, I, I could oh. write like a like kind of like a joking like a just write a quick novella with on, yeah. on the star, and <laughs> you'll be fine. Just yeah, get, get, get it out of the system. Get it out there. Yeah, yeah, it's, it would just be a complete joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, here, this is what you can do. Amish upon the star is a parody of your earlier work. Yeah. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I couldn't think of the word parody. Yes, that's that was it. perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh man. <laughs> All right, so what kind of advice would you give a writer who is interested in doing a sort of immersive research project, you know, going to a community that is so different than what they know to try to write about them? I guess, yeah, learn as much as you can before. I mean, you can't possibly, you know, learn everything, but... There were a few things that did help. Like they do pray most of the time they pray silently before every meal, which is kind of like unexpected because they all just bow their heads for like 30 seconds. And I'm like, if I wouldn't have known that, I think I would have been like, am I supposed to be praying or, you know, saying something awkward? Like, because I didn't know what was going on. So, I, you know, it's kind of good to learn as much as you can beforehand. I got a bunch of books at the library and kind of have to like mentally prepare yourself because if it's completely different than what you're used to, like... I had never gone that long without, like, using my phone. They do have one outlet in their basement, so I could charge my phone occasionally. But it's just, yeah, you have to just learn as much as you can and be, like, really sensitive towards their culture. And also, it might not be, like, what you expect. Like, I didn't expect them to be so... Like, like when I told them I'm a cosmetologist, like I have a salon in my house, I thought like, oh, I shouldn't tell them that because it might offend them or like because I did like makeup and stuff and they're so against makeup. But they were like, oh, that's, you know, that's great. And, you know, you, you know, they were like, you, you can do that because it's not against your religion. So it's fine. And, the, you know, it's just it wasn't what I expected. It, they're very understanding about the outside world. They're not like as sheltered as everyone thinks. Mm-hmm. Like they know what goes on in the outside world. They're not, they're not closed off. So just be open, I guess, to you know different things. It's, it's not always going to be like what you might think. I, I like hearing all that, you know, because your experience is very much one of they didn't force anything upon you. No, not at all. Yeah. All the stuff that you thought you was going to be forced upon you was your own preconceived yes. thoughts. And I think that's absolutely wonderful that you're able to share that and show us, you know, us non-types. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> not, not what I was going for, but I thought, you know, it works. But, you know, I'll show, yeah. I'll show the rest of the world that you know, I was like, here's a uber religious group. Mm-hmm. Who we all have massively preconceived conceptions of. Yes. And none of them are true, really. Basically, none of them are true. Basically, forget everything you've heard about them. (laughs) For the ones in Unity, anyway. I mean, it's just not... It's not how people portray them at at all, most of the time. Like, I could relate to them a lot, because I'm also Christian. But they're not as uptight and, (laughs) like, strict as you might think. Um, Like, when I first went, I went to Goodwill, and I bought all the long dresses I could find, and I covered my hair... And they were like, you can wear jeans. We don't care. <laughs> and me and my mom showed up in, like, these long dresses and turtlenecks. And they were like, we really don't care. Like, you do not have to dress like us. But I did because I wanted the full experience. So that was my choice. But they didn't make me do anything. You know, they didn't care. They they were like, just do what you normally do. <laughs> you can use your phone. They're like, you can take pictures of all our stuff. Just don't pic- take pictures of us. You know, like, they didn't care. So. Okay. So so no yeah. selfies, huh? Yeah, no. I, yep, no selfies. I do have a one picture of a family in a buggy because they told me like you can do that, but no, no faces. Right. And I took pictures of their houses and their properties and stuff. Okay. Now, if I just a quick reminder, why can't we take you know why no pictures of them? You know, no pictures of the faces. 
Oh, they think that it is the second commandment in the Bible says, don't make any graven images of yourself. And they think that a photo is like of yourself is a like a graven image. Like it's like prideful or idolatry. Uh, yeah. yeah, kind of like so they actually do have pictures. Uh, one girl had a calendar in her of her sorry of other people in her room, just like with a picture of some kids or something. I can't remember. Mm. They weren't Amish, though. And I was like, that's really interesting. So they can have pictures of other people that aren't Amish, but they just can't right. take pictures of themselves. And they also can draw each other, which I thought was really... Mm-hmm. We actually spent a whole afternoon drawing each other. <laughs> and I was like, that's weird. You can't take pictures of each other, but you can draw each other. Okay. okay. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what the difference is there, but yeah. So Are we sure yeah. they're not vampires? They're definitely not vampires. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just they don't like sure. sparkle in the sunlight or whatever. Oh no 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 no! no please, oh. the, the Stephanie Meyer vampire is completely different. <laughs> oh sorry, I don't know what the. Oh, other okay. My undead soul just hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, yes, on this podcast we honor the original Bram Stoker version of vampires, not the, oh, not totally the sparkly, uh, <laughs> angst-ridden <laughs> Stephanie Meyer version. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, anyway, well, uh, I'm recalling uh, just for your interest, there is one other time I've seen Amish brought up in uh, TV or those kind of things. Mm-hmm. It was a in either I believe it was in the TV show Bones. Okay. So the FBI, you know, murder investigation series, mm-hmm. and they found a young boy. And by studying his bones, they determined that he should have been, like, 189 years old. But they found that because of, of what was wrong with him, he was actually Amish. So the whole 30-minute episode was about them figuring out why this Amish kid was dead. But, you know, so very different line of Amishness for you. But, you know, there's another one where, you know, people are – it definitely has a lot of things where we – that we've already discussed that aren't brought up the same way. Right. You know? Yeah. So I yeah. found that very, I, I'm just bring all the Amishness in my head up right now. <laughs> that always happens. Like I'll be watching a movie. Like there's one called the shunning, which is pretty well known by Beverly Lewis, her book. And the girl in the movie has highlights. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm a hairstylist. So that's why I noticed it. I think, Right. But I, and I've seen like other movies where their hair—it's like okay, obviously her hair is dyed, and they don't dye their hair. They don't do any highlights or anything. And all right, so uh, <laughs> now you told us about finding about the music and that they did actually do dancing when you brought it up. So that—that's mm-hmm. one of those things that obviously, I mean, if, even if you do a ton of reading on them beforehand, mm-hmm. you can't make that. <laughs> I mean, that's something you wouldn't expect. So it really yeah. shows the difference between. Yes, you could watch every television thing about a culture, read as much about it, but there still might be something out there that surprises you. Yeah. Is there anything else that you could think of that anything else that was surprising that you wouldn't have thought think of and re- really only came out because of your immersive experience living with them, even though it was only ten days? I guess like there were a few things. I guess okay, like their weddings. That's kind of a big focus in the second book is what's well, called attending an Amish wedding. I think a lot of people don't realize or they jump to conclusions also. Like they think that the Amish get married like super young, like 18, and that it's all arranged marriages. That's not even that's not true either. They can marry whoever they want as long as they're Amish. And if they don't marry an Amish person, then they're like shunned and they have to leave or whatever. But that's never happened in Unity. They pretty much I don't think anyone has been shunned or has left Unity. But the weddings are really different than our weddings it's basically like a church service which are usually three hours long and in german but the wedding also had some english so i could understand some of it but there's i mean the bride wears what she usually wears just like the regular dress with a it's called a prayer cap but it looks like a bonnet and they don't kiss at the end there's no i mean there's singing you know but there's no instruments there's no flowers or cake or anything like that it's just like Basically a church service, like three sermons, a lot of singing, and then a five-minute vow ceremony at the end. Like, it's literally five minutes long. And then they're pronounced husband and wife. We go downstairs and eat, like, a potluck lunch. <laughs> it was not a big deal at all. That was super interesting to me because that's not really covered in anything that I read. 
Um, a lot of the romance novels, like the Amish romance novels, are like scandalous. Like, right. you know, one is Amish and one is not, and then they end up getting gender. Like, you know, they're they don't end up usually staying in the Amish community. Some of my books that does happen, by the way. Um, I try to keep it realistic, but yeah. So that was kind of like, wow, their weddings are so simple, so different than what we're used to. And then what's another thing? There's a lot of things that I didn't even think about. Like, they don't have fridges. So under their house, the girl I stayed with, she had an ice room. So it was like this huge concrete room just filled with huge blocks of ice. And they would just store their food in there. And I've never heard of that in any other books either. And they just, like, there was this manure pit. And they just emptied it out, filled it with water, and they make ice out of that. Which sounds really nasty. But that's what they use. (laughs) And that's what they use to keep their food cold in the summer. And they just keep it outside in the winter. That's something that I don't think, I don't know if every community does that. That might be why. But um, in Pennsylvania, they did have a fridge run on like gas or propane or something. But, so they're all different. So that's a few things. Yeah. Basically what we're, you know, basically what I'm hearing is you're, you are writing, you know, true to life books. Whereas all the other Amish books that are out there are basically Amish girls gone wild in books. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, a lot of them are. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, put down the other Amish books, but oh, I right think there are, there are a few <laughs> authors that, like, used to be Amish. Like, I think, I can't think of the girl's name, but there there's definitely some mm-hmm. that either know Amish people or grew up around the Amish or used to be. So they are pretty accurate. I mean, there is, like, one part in my book that's not realistic, and I know that, but it's fiction, and I just threw it in there because it, it really made the story better. And I deliberated a lot about taking it out, but I ended up keeping it in the end because it could happen, but it's not really likely. But, right. you know, you just it depends on if it's fiction or nonfiction. But there are some Amish authors that do know their stuff. Okay. But a lot of them are kind of like the Amish girls got wild. <laughs> okay. Here's a make-believe question. Okay. There's a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> How are the Amish communities going to do when the zombie out when the zombie plague breaks out? You no, know, that's funny you mentioned that because there is like a whole genre about zombie Amish like <laughs> alien books. No, I just <laughs> I'm serious. I should write one. <laughs> this guy sent me a picture that he's like, "Look, I found this this book. It's a zombie." alien Amish book. You would like it. And I'm like, well, that's kind of out there. But, you know, they might do okay because they could probably, like, build a wall around their community and just grow their own food. And they have solar panels. And, oh, some do. Anyway. And they might be okay. Um, They do actually have guns, which a lot of people think, like, you know, they are pacifists. They have guns for hunting. That's it. They don't do any self-defense or anything like that. They might be okay. I don't know. If there was a zombie apocalypse. They might start shooting zombies. <laughs> you, you, that, here, next time you go, you need to ask if they, you know, if there's a zombie, will they shoot the zombie? <laughs> Since it's not a person, or tech, I don't know, is yeah. it a person? Not really. Zombified. That'd be a practical debate. It could be more like an animal. Yeah, it's kind of like hunting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That could. I should ask them that. I'm going to call them and ask them. <laughs> and I have heard that they are the only communities in the country that still have faux boots. They do. Yes. It doesn't look like one. It looks like a shed. Right. It looks like a really nice shed. And it has a chair in it. I actually have a picture of it in the book. Cool. It just looks like a... It doesn't look like a like a phone booth. But right. I didn't actually get to go inside. But they do all share that. That's it. There's, there's like one or two in the whole like community. So, yeah. They do have that. Okay. And then there's some in businesses, too. Also, right. phones and businesses. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just kind of the very nature of life today that even the Amish have to have a phone. So. Right. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> the midwives can have cell phones. Oh, nice. I mean, they kind of have to. Yeah. yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't meet any midwives there, so I don't know. All right. So where can you pick up a copy of Undercover Amish or any of your other books, Ashley? They're only on Amazon right now, except for the free book that's on, like, Smashwords. But... If you go on Amazon, just search for Ashley Emma. And Emma actually is my last name. A lot of people think that's like my middle name. But it's A-S-H-L-E-Y-E-M-M-A. And they should all pop up. And my website is AshleyEmmaAuthor.com. 
there there's like links on there too and uh, so if you sign up for your email list you get three free ebooks yeah you do i actually had ashley's amish adventure on there but i just found out if you're enrolled in kindle unlimited you can't give it away i didn't know that oh, so yeah. only the first like chapter is on there okay and then there's two other free books that you get it's finding forgiveness and the work at home jobs book uh, I might switch those out soon, though. So depending on when you join, you might get a different one. So you get those for free when you join on the website. Yep. So what you're saying is join now, then unsubscribe, and then join again when you switch it up in a couple. Right. <laughs> you can do that. I'll just email it to you. I do that all the time. I'm like, here, to my email list. Take this free. You know, every time I come out with a new book, I send them all my book for free so they can read it and review it. Cool. So you'll get a lot of free ebooks if you join, okay. more than those. I write new ones all the time. <laughs> we like free things All right. yes All right. thank you very much and I will also like to thank we connected through podcastguest.com mm -hmm. we signed up to publish me and it signed up to be a, a podcast included on there then you emailed us after we uh, were advertised on their website looking for, and their weekly email looking for guests so thank you to podcast guests for being able to connect us to be able to have this interview we actually have a lengthy list of other prospective guests that I'm going through right now trying to decide who's next so awesome alright anything else anything else you want to promote anything else you want to say any other I did just think of yeah, all the pictures that I took of when I was in Unity, uh, like if you want to see what like an Amish house looks like and the phone shanty and stuff like that, those are in the Amish adventure books. Also, though, if you don't want to buy the books, they're on my Facebook page if you want to see them for free. So just search for my name on Facebook. But you should yeah. buy the books anyway. You I'm should buy it. them because they're only one ninety nine right now. <laughs> She's got a two-year-old and a two-month-old at home. Come on. Buy the, <laughs> yeah. buy the books. You can read them in like an hour. They're really short. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Ashley. Good luck with your further writing, and hopefully look forward to seeing more of your books be published, and uh, hopefully continued success in the future. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Yes. Pleasure having you. Thanks. Okay. That wraps us up for Chapter 22 of the Publishing Podcast, Immersive Research with Ashley Emma, author of Undercover Amish and Ashley's Amish Adventures and Outsider Living with the Amish as well as other books. This episode of the podcast is not only brought to you by the Indiegogo campaign for the World of Magi, but also by Ashley's Amish Adventures and Outsider Living with the Amish, now available from Amazon. And from what I see, it's got, it's getting some good reviews of at least 4.5 stars. So it's doing great. So thank you again to Ashley for joining us. Thank you for to podcastguest.com for setting us up for that interview. I was, it was very enlightening. I learned a lot and growing up around Amish all my life. It's, it's interesting to hear. I, well, the first fact that really blew me away, the fact that there actually are Amish in Maine, did not see that coming. Yep. But then the, the music and the dancing, that was a nice touch as well, so. I like that. Yeah, that was... good stuff there. Okay. Alright. Alright, so that completes chapter 22. Next month, chapter 23 of the Publishing Podcast in February, which will be our two-year anniversary. Woohoo! We will be recording just two weeks after the end of the crowdfunding campaign for The Will of the Magi. So we will be doing a complete recap of the campaign, looking back on how it went. We'll talk about whether or not somebody took the bait and went for the in-blood, now at the lower price of $666. And or five people take it. Or five people take it. Hey, as long as one person takes it, we're fully funded. So Yes. Because, well, we just need one. Because, I mean... The stuff we're trying to fund, we're pretty much set a price and only gave ourselves a little bit of wiggle room based on what we expect the cost of editing, the cost of cover design, the cost of printing the books to be. But then, of course, we have to pay taxes. We have to pay the fees to Indiegogo for using their service. we got to pay fees to PayPal and the credit card companies for yep. using their services. Uh, it's not like every every penny you guys sent us is going to the campaign or to Paul's Pockets. In fact, none of it's going directly to Paul's Pockets. It's all oh. going to us at AS21 to manage that all of these expenses are taken care of. Yep, I so, get nothing. Yeah, so this is it. Paul doesn't even have to worry about this going on his taxes, so... Woohoo! Tax-free! Yeah. Well, no, you'll have to deal with the royalties after the sales, that's all. Yeah. But this is like a special pre-order for your book where by pre-ordering it, this many months out, you're actually making sure that the book actually happens, which I think is a much more important thing than any normal pre-order where you're just reserving your copy 
yep. and, you know, waiting with bated breath for its release. This is true. This is very true. So yeah, so we, although 1600 was our goal, that's really the bare minimum is our actual goal of 1600. And I've been told, go high. If you miss it, that's okay. And especially with Indiegogo, where we can do flexible funding, which we did for this campaign. All right, so for Chapter 23, we will be doing a wrap-up of the crowdfunding campaign, and we're going to welcome back Ron Gaynor, our cover designer, for a check-in on how the cover design process is going. Yep. And who knows? We may even have a special guest beyond that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think there's a lot we're going to need to cover with the wrap-up of the Indiegogo campaign. Plus, these episodes seem to be getting longer and longer. We might want to try doing a short one, so <laughs> just to prove that we still can. Just to prove it. Plus Although, it, you know, long podcast, long book. Oh, yeah, true. So <laughs> it'll be our second anniversary show, Chapter 23, next month. Be sure to check us out on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, YouTube, and media.as21.com If you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash publishpodcast, on Twitter at publishpodcast, or email us, publishpodcast at as21.com, aois21.com For AS21 Publishing, I am Keith F. Shovlin. And as always, I am Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. Remember, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. We'll see you next month. Copyright 2016, AS21 Publishing, LLC, all rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?